0: John chapter 11. Now, before we read this verse, we've been talking about for about three weeks now, the phrase faith in love, which is another way to say faith in God, because God is love. I think the Lord had us to study it this way during this series, because a lot of people have not connected faith in love like they need to, because we're not talking about faith in a God who's looking for somebody to pronounce judgment on, faith in God, who's looking for perfection. Yes, it's faith in God, but Jesus brought the revelation that God is a father. And when we're talking about faith in God, we're talking about faith in the best father in the universe who loves you more than you love your kids. And I believe if we'll we'll see this and kind of get this on the inside of us that we're not just talking about faith in God, We're talking about faith in love, faith in someone who cares more for you times a million than you could care for the person who unlocks your compassion. He loves us. We're talking about faith in somebody who wants you healed more than you want to be healed. We're talking about faith in somebody who wants your marriage fixed and your family strong more than you want it fixed and strong. And we've got to remember this phrase, faith in love, when it gets dark, when the storms rage, when the problems come, when the crisis comes, when demon forces are on your case. You need to remember, faith in love is going to get me out of this. God is going to get me out of this. And and if you don't remember that, then you're probably going to take another road that victory is not on. And that will not be God saying no to helping you. That will be you getting on the fear road or the worry road or the anxiety road. Those things are a choice. And those are roads that take you away from God's help. Do you understand? I mean, if God, you know, if God was able to just heal and deliver and save everybody, don't you think he would have done it by now? Man has a free will. Man can go this way when the blessings are this way. And God... Interesting thing about the Lord, He'll let Him go. He'll let Him go the wrong way. He created free will, He's not going to violate it. And so, we need to get this phrase in our spirits that faith in love is what's going to get us through the toughest times of our life. In John chapter 11, we started here the last couple of weeks. We're going to continue to look at these scriptures. It'll lead us into more scriptures we haven't gone to yet. But in John chapter 11, In verse 40, Jesus is about to raise a man from the dead who's been dead for four days. Decomposition has just begun to set in. And the sisters were kind of freaking out that the Lord said, roll away the stone. And uh, they were wondering what he was going to do. They were wondering why the Lord didn't come earlier and heal him. And now he's been dead four days. And how many of you know, it's never too late for the Lord to perform a miracle. If anything looked like too late, this guy was dead for four days. The devil tries to tell people it's too late to get them to stop believing for the power of God to fix things. Don't listen to the devil. Say this, it's not too late. It's not too late. So in John eleven forty, 40, Jesus said unto her, one of the sisters of, the, of Lazarus, the one who died. He said to her, did I not say unto you? He had said this more than once before in the past. Did I not say unto you, If you would believe, you should see the glory of God. So much in this verse. Series after series. Seminar after seminar in this one verse. We can't go over everything we said in the past. You have to go listen to the archives. They're free. They're downloadable on the website. But I want to say this. Jesus said, If you want to see better, you're going to have to believe different than you've been believing. Because he said, seeing the power of God, the miracle, resurrection power, the healing that happened to Lazarus. If you want to see these things in your life, something comes before seeing. Now, one of the things Jeremy, now that that was such a good offering. That's that's actually a little meaty. And we need meat. And as we were pursuing this building and deciding, you know, we believe the Lord wanted us to build this building and even get the land here, the 20 acres of land, the original 20 acres of land, the Lord gave me a phrase to help me get through some things because it didn't look like it was ever going to happen. Buying the land or building this building. I mean, if fear and doubt is not breathing down the back of your neck, you're not doing something right. You're not doing something that's a threat to the devil. You're not doing something maybe that the Lord... I mean, fear and doubt comes to people who are on the right road a lot of times. And that's just another indication that why would the enemy be throwing ammunition at you if you weren't on a good road? You feel like you're on a terrible road, but why would he be throwing that stuff, discouragement and all that your way, if you weren't on a good road? And one of the things the Lord gave us as leaders of this church, he said it this way, Faith says you can get this land. You can build this building. Faith says we can do all things through Christ. Faith says all things are possible to him that believe. Faith says we can do it. But it wasn't happening. The Lord said you need to add something to your faith if you want to see these things taken care of. These supernatural, beyond our ability, things done. He said it like this. Faith says it can happen love says it has to happen when you mix love with faith now it goes from we can do this to what happens what if what if you had to be healed what if there was a, such a reason on the inside of you such a powerful have to what if you had to be more prosperous because of something in you that says, "I, I, I have." well, love is that have to. Love has a lot to do with the ha- Now, we also know great desperation can do great things to your faith. I say we learn to use our faith without the great desperation. I mean, I don't know. I mean, does anybody know if it's true? I think it's true that there's been superhuman feats of strength happen at times. Like, uh, I think I read one time a, a lady actually lifted a car. You know, at the corner of a car off of her child. Well, where'd that strength come from? Well, it was in her all along. She just needed a strong reason, I guess, to tap into that supernatural strength. And she lifted the, the, they got the child out. Well, that's, that's, I've heard a lot of stories like that. Well, why wasn't that power coming forth earlier? Well, here's what we got to learn to not wait for desperate situations. We need to add something else to it. Like faith says it can happen love. What if, we, what if we hung around God long enough to where His love started getting on us more and our love for people started to increase? Pretty soon, I think what would happen is we'd start thinking, you know what? Faith is not just something we use to get what we need. It becomes a necessary commodity when you have to see things done. So... I think that was great. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4. And as you you turn here, now let me say something about the previous verse because there's one other thing I wanted to say about it. Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. You can read the rest of it for homework, okay? He raised Lazarus from the dead. He stood forth. They rolled the stone away. He said, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound head to foot with grave clothes. And Jesus said, loose him and let him go. And Lazarus was raised from the dead. There are actually three things that happened. Number one, it was a, there were three gifts of the Spirit in operation. Working a miracle, special faith, and gifts of healings. It took special faith to call somebody out of a tomb who's been dead for four days. You can try that without faith and you look like a fool. But you could try that in faith because the Lord led you and the gift of faith is there. A miracle can happen. Number two, the gifts of healing were in operation because he obviously was healed of what killed him or he would have died again immediately. And then a miracle happened because the whole thing was a miracle. But I wanted to say this the healing, the raising from the dead, the miracle, those so many times why do you think the Lord did those did that for this man? Why do you think he did it? He loved him. Those were manifestations of the love of God. Isn't that interesting? So you need to realize these healings and these miracles that you need and other people need. If we'll just turn up faith in the love of God in those areas. What did John chapter 11 verse 40 say? If you believe, you should see the healing, the miracle, the resurrection power. Very important stuff. So now 1 John chapter 4. Um, I, I kind of look at it like this. We'll look at here in the verse and just say, I look at it like faith is like a door and the handle is on our side. And Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And he was saying that to believers. Just look at it like this. Faith is like a door that you have to open up if you want to see the help of God in your life. Faith is like a door and God is like a gentleman. Gentlemen don't go doing things until the door is open. They don't go sneaking through people's windows. They don't pound on a door, try to break it down. Gentlemen respect free will. They're respectful. And you need to look at it like that. Well, if God can fix these things, why doesn't He fix it? Listen, He's respectful. He gave you free will. You've got to open the door. Faith opens the door. So, 1 John four sixteen. John said, We have known and believed. So there's two things he's talking about here. Well, Pastor, I know God loves me. Great. Have you trusted in that love last time a crisis came your way and see a miracle or deliverance in your life? Thank God for knowing. Don't get me wrong. Knowing is a step. But this scripture says we have known and trusted in, relied on with our life in the dark times of our life. We we trusted in this love. We know it. We believe it. The love that God has to us. God is love and he that lives in love lives in God and God in him. So we talked about a couple weeks ago, knowing is not believing. Knowing is not a substitute for believing. You can't get through knowing what only believing can get you. Thank the Lord for knowing. It starts with knowing. But it's got to go to believing. And don't say, I can't believe. Wrong vernacular. Wrong, wrong phrase. It's never, well, I just can't believe that. It's always, I choose not to believe yeah. that. Yeah. I choose not to believe the, it's not, well, I just can't believe that That by his stripes, I just can't believe that, that Jesus had to die for us. No, it's wrong vernacular. No such thing as I can't believe. Not believing is believing the opposite. Right. right. Saying I don't believe this, you're saying I believe something else that says this isn't true. Everybody's believing something, so don't don't ever say I just can't believe that. It's you choose not to believe it. If we can't believe what the Lord said, believe, He is unjust in commanding us to believe it, and He is not unjust. He said. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. He that comes to God must believe that He is, and you must believe He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. This is not an option. It's kind of like you must be born again. You must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder. You don't have to by free will, but if you want eternal life and you want the blessings and you want peace and you want joy, you're going to have to believe. See, you need to look at commandments in a little different way. When God commands us to do something, all He's saying is, if you want the best, you're going to have to do some things. He's not saying, love me because I command. He's saying, listen, there's some things I can't do for you if you don't love me, and if you don't want to, that's fine. But if you want the benefit of a love relationship, you've got to love Him back. And that's why Paul, th- this sounds really strange. But in 1 Corinthians 16, I believe it is, Paul said these words to the church. He said, he that does not love our Lord Jesus, let him be ananthema. That means separated, accursed. I read that and thought, wow, that is strong. What? And the Lord said, no, it's not, son. He said, listen, if somebody doesn't want to love me, you can't make them love me. Let them be. I created their free will. Let them be. If they want to be separated from me, you can't change that. Only they can change that. So let him be a curse. Let him be an anthema. That's strong language. Because if, we if we're not in a lover's relationship with the Lord, we're in a separated life from him, which is not good. And Paul's all he was saying is, You're going, he said, let, let it be. You can't change it. We've got to watch out about making people believe like we believe. You know, when it talks about reproving the works of darkness... He's talking about our light being so bright that they want what we got. It's not about telling everybody they're wrong all the time. Uh, Telling everybody they're wrong all the time and being, you know, correction patrol or whatever it is. A lot of times all that is is a lack of faith that God will work this thing out. I don't even know if we can strongly correct anybody unless they're our children or we're willing to die for them. Because Jesus was able to say some strong things. He was able to say some harsh things. He was able to say some corrective things because he was going to die for those people. It's interesting seeing somebody way over here on Facebook correct somebody way over here in another country on Facebook and they're not even an authority over their life. They are unqualified to correct. You have to be qualified to correct. You just can't pretend you're the pastor of people all over the place or some leader and start correcting all these people. That's like little children going in the mommy and daddy's closet and getting a paddle and running after your siblings. You are not qualified to correct if you're not willing to die for them or you're not in a position over them giving your life for them in some way. Plus, a lot of this correction stuff in the church is just people have no faith that God will work things out if you stay in faith and pray and believe your prayers are working. Kenneth Hagin, I was reading a devotional. I read his devotionals a lot, faith, food, and all. He was talking about how when we're told to pray for our government, we're told to pray for our president, we're told to pray for our, our vice president, uh, those in authority, we're told to pray for them. He said, if you pray, and we've said this many times in the church, it's just good to hear your spiritual father, you know, say it again. He said that, it, it said, if you pray for your president, or you pray for those in authority in your country, and then criticize them later or after that prayer, You just nullified the entire prayer you prayed for him. It didn't say prayer fixes things. It says the prayer of faith fixes things. And if you're praying and believing God's doing some good things, and you hear some bad reports, but you go back to believing bad reports, you're not believing your prayer was answered, and you're back into unbelief, and you destroyed your own prayer. Not even the enemy. So let's think about this. We have known... And we're taking the step of believing more in the love that God has to us. I like to say it like this. Believe more. See more. I want to see more. Better just cry a little louder. Get more people to pray. You can get everybody in the world that's a believer to pray for you. If you're not believing, it's not going to work. Sometimes getting people to pray is great because they hook up with the faith you have. But people can't believe you into heaven. You've got to believe and go to heaven because of your own faith in God. Same thing with healing and deliverance. They can help you believe, but they can't believe for you. Believe more in the love of God in whatever area you need to see it. And Jesus said, you should see more. You're going to see more in that area. For time's sake, I'm not going to go to these scriptures, but let me tell you. Psalm 103 says, we are not to forget all His benefits. If Jesus is your Lord, you've got a lot of benefits that you can tap into. He said, forget not all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Crowns you with loving kindnesses. The list goes on. And I thought, if we believe He loves us enough to forgive us of all of our sins then that's what we're going to see according to the words of Jesus. We're going to see and sense the forgiveness of sins. The guilt's going to roll off our back. If we believe we're forgiven, we're going to be free from that past junk. All right. You believe He loves you enough to forgive you? What are you going to see? You're going to see and sense forgiveness in your life. What about the next part of that verse? He heals all your diseases. What if you believe the Lord loved you enough to heal you of all your diseases? Well, then Jesus said you're going to see that in your life eventually if you don't give up. Right? Did I not say to you if you believe you're going to see? Well, let's believe more in the love of God and maybe not maybe we're going to see more of the love of God in our life. Turn to your neighbor and say he's preaching really good. <clears throat> don't lie if you don't think I am, don't say it. <laughs> Too late. Oops. Romans 8:37. The Bible says, "We are more than conquerors. But what does He want us to focus on? What does He want us to have faith in? Through Him that loved us. So, realizing and believing in this love is going to help us to overcome everything. Right? Do you think you can believe more in the love that God has for you? Obviously, we can. Believing is supposed to be a growing process, ever, ever exceeding, exceedingly growing faith. The Book of Thessalonians talks. We should be growing in faith, and this scripture says we're more than conquerors through Jesus or through God who loves us. So let me just say it this way: to think you might not make it through is to doubt His love for you. See, that'll kind of get you in that mode of I. I I can't be doubting his love for me. I'm going to win. Because if we think we're not going to make it through. That's a lie. That's to doubt his love for us. The reason we're teaching this right now. Is because when. Not if. When the attack comes again. To you or somebody you love. I'm believing that something's going to be in you. That's going to come up. The Holy Spirit's going to be able to bring something to your remembrance that you heard Jesus say to you in a service like this. And when it's dark, and when it looks like you're not going to make it, and you get the bad report, and the rug is pulled out from under you, you're going to remember, wait! I am not going to be pushed on a wrong road. I am not going to be moved by this report. I don't know if people realize this or not, but a lot of times... It's a life or death situation. What, hap- what, what you do when a crisis comes. Some people make it. Some people don't. I think we need to learn. And I'm going to share this in closing. Because it's my third point here. We need to learn through greater lo- faith. And the love of God. We need to learn to be calm in crisis. Like Jesus was. Because if the problem can move you. You probably won't be able to move it. Are you following me? If the problem that's coming against you gets in you, you're probably not going to be able to change it. What's going to keep you calm when something horrific just happens? See, church, you've got to understand this. Many people are not ready for the crisis of life. And it's sad because they could have been ready. They didn't take the things of God serious because it was 79 degrees and the soft wind was blowing across my face and the skies were blue and and they didn't have time to go to church and they didn't have time to read their Bible and it became a habit in their life and the crisis came and bang, they fall and great was the fall of their life. Friend, those times never have to happen to born-again believers. Don't have to happen to anybody if they get born again and do some of the things we're talking about. You can be, re- we can be ready. Thank Lord. Wise is the person who feeds on God's word, goes to church, prays their prayers when they don't need anything. Because then, when they do need something, all that power and all that reservoir and all that deposit will come forth because you put it in there. Mm. It's so good to be ready. Jesus said a storm came to one man, and I mean it, beat upon his life. It vehemently crashed upon his family, and he stood strong. And the storm subsided, and he was still there standing strong, shouting the victory. Same storm came against another man, vehemently beat against his life, came crashing down on his house, and he fell, and great was the fall of his life. One man heard like we're hearing today and he fell and crashed like somebody who's never even heard anything about the Lord. Interesting thought. That the person who hears the word of God and doesn't do it gets the exact same results when a storm comes as somebody who's never heard the word of God. But the man who stood strong heard the same words and did them. And the Lord's commandments are not grievous. The devil will be right there saying, Man, if you sell out to God, you're going to be burned out, stressed out, and you won't like it. It won't be any fun. Lie, 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 lie. His commandments are not grievous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is light. Anybody who's telling you something else is trying to sell you something. (laughs) Amen. His yoke is easy. He's not talking about how he likes his eggs. My yoke is easy. He he his his <laughs> hooking up. Hooking up with Jesus is not going to be a drudgery. It's not going to be dark. It's not going to be gray and it's not going to be no fun. In the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. So if you're hooked with him, you're in his presence. So to think you might not make it through is wrong thinking what should you do with wrong thinking? Somebody tell me, what should you do with wrong thinking? Throw it, down. Throw it down. Cast it down. Take the weapons of God. Open your mouth and say, I refuse to think like that. I can't lose because God can't lie. What, you're trying to tell me my father doesn't love me and I'm going to die in this thing? Is that what you're trying to tell me? Sometimes you just need to talk to the devil and say, hey! Amen. Trying to get me to doubt my, the love of God? No, never do it. I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved me. I can't, I can't go down because he can't lie. And as long as I stay on the road of believing that, I'm going to be all right. But how many of you know worry is a road? Worry is a way you and I can take anytime we want to. It's a road he doesn't, God doesn't want us on. It's a road that does not have good things on it. But nevertheless, because he gave you a free will, you can go down that road. And if you go down the worry and fear road... And experience problems and don't see the help of God in your life, don't blame God for you getting on the wrong road. Yeah. Hmm? Huh? How do I overcome worry? I just feel so worried. I just feel so worried. I just feel so worried. Whoop-de-doo! <laughs> and this may come as a revelation to you. There's times I don't even feel saved. Right. Right. Whoop-de-doo! What does feelings have to do with God saying, if I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, I shall be saved in my house? Yes. Man, if you're, if you're thinking reality is what you feel, you're going to get dizzy like riding the roller coaster. <laughs> you're going to be up one day and down the next day and over here the next day and spin around like a corkscrew this day and all like this day. You're going to think, oh, I'm saved. I'm not saved. i be healed. I'm not healed. Everything's great. Everything's terrible. You better realize real quick that if you want to live a successful life You're going to have to not be feeling ruled. You're going to have to be faith ruled. You act according to what you believe more than what you feel. I believe I'm going to heaven. I'll say it now. I'll say it forever. How do you feel? Doesn't matter. Who cares? Where in the Bible does it say, feel like you're saved and you'll not perish but have everlasting life? Where in the Bible does it say, have a feeling like you're going to go to heaven when you die and you'll go? Not once in the Scriptures does it say feelings have anything to do with salvation or healing no. or deliverance no. or a miracle. No. That's right. I'm thankful yeah. for nice feelings. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm thankful, but I am not led by them. No, sir. And neither should you be. No. This, is a sign of, this is a marked sign of growing up spiritually is you are no longer a body-ruled person. Well I feel like getting up so I'll get up. I don't feel like getting up, I think I'll stay in bed. What's who's your lord? Who's calling the shots in your life? Let me tell you this right now, Church, your feelings are a terrible Lord. (laughs) I don't feel like going to work today, so I'm not gonna go. You say, I'm free, I'm free. A lot of these people that saying they're free, they're free, what they're saying is, I'm enslaved to my own desires and passions, which are low-level stuff. Well, I'm free to do this, and I'm free, and I'm free. If you're saying you're free to do whatever you feel like doing, you are on a low level of living. The Bible says if you really want to tap into the divine. Don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. You'll tap into joys and peace and things that you can never get any other way. There's a lot of things money can't buy. (laughs) How many of you know the greatest thing in life is being loved and loving others? And you don't need a dime to do that. You can do that. I mean, that'll attract wealth to help you do it more, but yeah, you, you don't need what all these, some of these people are saying you need to be happy. All right. So, say this. I believe God loves me enough to forgive me of all my iniquities. Say this. I believe God loves me enough to heal me of all my diseases. I believe God loves me enough To help me to overcome every problem, every attack, every challenge that comes to me in this life. I will remain calm in the midst of the storm. Why, church? Because you believe His love is bigger than the storm and you're His child. Father is greater than all and you're more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. You're more than a conqueror through Him that loved you. Alright, move on with me. Hebrews 12. No, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, go to Hebrews 12. Do you, do, you remember, do you remember when Jesus told the father of the 12-year-old girl who just died? The man said, Lord, come, come lay your hands on her and she'll live. That's when she was still alive. Well, the Lord didn't get there in time. And the news came from his house. Your daughter just died. Why are you troubling the master anymore? And Jesus knew that the enemy was going to work with that on daddy of the child. So the Lord said to him, here's what the Lord said. He, said. he said, Jairus, don't be afraid. Only believe. Well, I believe Jairus obeyed those words because Jesus was able to go to his house with permission from daddy and mommy and raise the 12 year old girl from the dead. You know, sometimes strong faith is saying nothing. When you feel like saying things, you know you shouldn't say. I mean, Darius. when he heard those words, Jesus said, don't be afraid, only believe. He like put a zipper on his mouth. He probably felt like crying, saying, Lord, why'd you let this woman delay you? Oh, all these thoughts were probably coming to him. He kept his mouth shut. They went to his house. Jesus raised a 12-year-old girl from the dead. But he told daddy... His part was, don't be afraid, only believe. Now, church, listen to this. This is so important. He basically said, don't get on the road of worry and fear. You know, sometimes we think those, you know, I don't know where this comes from. I don't know. Maybe we just haven't dug deep enough in the scriptures, but some, you hear Jesus say, don't be afraid. You think, oh, he just said that to comfort him, he told him to do something. I know when I, when I came out of my struggle with fear, I had a terrible struggle with fear. I'm not talking about little fears like from of a movie. I'm talking about demonic attacks. Fear, anxiety, just unrationals coming against me like machine gun bullets. I, it took me a while to get out of it because I guess I could if I learned quicker, I could have got out of it quicker. But one of the things that helped me more than anything to get out of fear, fear has torment. I hate fear. Now, there's a healthy respect for God, but that's totally different. And then there's a fear you're supposed to resist because it's of the enemy. And I tell you, one of the greatest things that helped me get out of fear and get off the road of fear is when the Lord said, Son, after, this is like after a year or two of Him dealing with me with healing, uh, excuse me, freedom from fear scriptures and helping me like a dad, you know, just a wonderful father. But then there came a point where my father said, Son, you need to stop being afraid right now. That's an order. And you think, well, that's mean. No, that helped me more than almost anything else to get out of this fear. I had to realize this is serious stuff. He's not asking me to do something I can't do. And just because I feel afraid doesn't mean I have to act and talk afraid. We need to refuse to be pushed around and moved by fear or anything of the enemy. And I mean, when I received that, I said, the Lord said, I'm not asking you to now, son. I'm telling you, stop it. Fear not is a commandment. If you want the best, you need to obey me. And I thought, wait, wait, wait. That's where that phrase came. His commandments are enabling. So if he's telling me not to fear, then he's enabled me to not fear. Right. So I need to just believe what he told me is true and activate this faith and release this power and stop thinking that I can't do what he told me I could do. Get out of the fear. Hmm. So in Hebrews 12, we looked at this last week, but we're going to quickly wrap it up. But I want to go to a couple more scriptures before we're done. Look at verse 12 and 13 again. Get off the road to worry and get on the road of only belief. Wherefore, lift up the hands which hang down the feeble knees... Make straight paths for your feet. He's telling somebody you know, to do some things here. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. So here in this verse, he's saying that being healed or being delivered is, is going a certain way. Lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. So I think we need to ask ourselves, like, what, which, which, direction, what, which way are we going? Are we going the worry route, the fear route? Are we going the faith route, the expectation route? What, what, which way are we going? Because that's not up to God which way we go. Right. That's up to us which way we go. I have a problem with the Lord just saying we have to do this and we have to do that. Why? Okay. Why? Why do you have a problem with God saying, you have to do this, you have to do that if you want this? Why do you have a problem with that if you don't have a problem with... You have to get out of bed, get your clothes on, get in your car if you want to go anywhere beyond your house. You have to. Why would we have a problem with God's have-tos, but we don't have a problem with man's have-tos? Well, I have a problem that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. I have a problem with the fact that Jesus is the only way. I think there's other ways to heaven. I have a problem with that. I have a problem with that Jesus is the way. Why? You have no problem. People have no problem that there's one way to the North Pole. Go north. Why, now, come on, church, tell me, why do people have a problem with Jesus being the way? And they don't have a problem with going north to get to the North Pole, is the only way you're going to get to the North Pole. Why? It takes demon help right. to have a problem with Jesus being one way, but not going north to the North Pole one way. There's forces that, there's just, there's just, Forces, there's religious demons, there's weird forces in the earth, there's, there's problems coming against your brain 24 7 to try to make the things of God look weird, silly, and, and bondage. You just need to ask yourself some of these things we do in the natural all the time, why would it be strange that God says some of these things spiritually that would help us? Um, when the Lord told J. I, uh, excuse me, when he told the Father, Yeah, it was Jairus of the daughter who died. He said, don't worry, only believe. And then he raised her from the dead. I got to thinking, we know that faith in God is life-saving. But it would be just as scriptural to say, refusing to fear is life-saving. Hmm. (laughs) Refusing to fear is life-saving. Because fear puts you on a road. And then people wonder, why? why isn't the Lord helping me? Why isn't the Lord helping me? Why are you on a road away from where He is? I mean, if He'll let people go to hell and He doesn't want them, He'll let you get on a wrong road between heaven. Uh, between earth and hell or earth and heaven. If he lets you get on the wrong road in the major area, well, of course he's going to let us get on the wrong road in the other areas. And that's not him saying, I don't want to help you. That's not him saying, hey, I just don't want to answer your prayer. That's people getting on a wrong road. The way, let, let it, lest it be turned out of the way, but rather let it be healed. Can you be going the wrong way and miss the healing? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Can you be going the wrong way and miss healing? Uh, power for your family? or can you, can you be going... Well, is nothing good happening? The Lord just deciding not to bless you? No. 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 Got to get this straight. Make sure you're on the right road. Finally, brethren, I want to show you a couple of scriptures. Matthew 8. We'll close with this. I want this real fresh on your mind. Matthew 8. Let's talk just for a minute about staying calm in crisis connected with Believing in how much the Lord loves us. Matthew 8:23, this is a literal storm, but this is figurative for storms that come to our life all the time, whether it's marriage storms or family storms or children's storms or financial storms or physical storms, they come. They happen. We live in a fallen world. You don't have to be a bad person for things like this to happen to you. You caught that. You live in a fallen world, I live in a fallen world. You can be the sweetest, nicest person on this planet and still get attacked. Doesn't mean you did something wrong. Okay, it says, When he was entered into a ship, this is Jesus, his disciples followed him. And behold, he wants us to check this out. Why? Because you're going to need these principles in your life. There arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with waves. But Jesus was asleep. Now, there's so much in this right here. The, the Bible talks about not staying up late at night and eating the bread of sorrows and, and being all troubled about the problems in your life and praying all night and worrying at the same time. You know, sometimes it would just flat out be better to just go to sleep instead of stay up all night praying and worrying. This was a very powerful position. He's asleep in a storm. (laughs) How many think we can be calm in a storm? Huh? We can be. You know, Jesus wants this for us. This is one of the reasons it's recorded. This isn't just to go, Oh, wow, what a great Sunday school lesson. We can teach this to the kids and have some drawings and oh, won't it be cool. This is for our life now when we're going through stuff. He was asleep. Next verse. And the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're perishing. We're dying. Luke's account of this said they were in jeopardy in the storm. Next verse. And Jesus said unto them, Oh, it's a good thing you woke me up, you know, because I'm the Son of God and I'm the only one that can do this thing, and you guys are doing great for waking me up. And so just, you know, no, This, this is this is the Jesus many people don't know about. Jesus did not say that. Jesus said, Why are you fearful? Great question. I mean, come on. If God is your father, if he loves you more than you love your kids, he wants to protect you more than you want your kids protected. If God is loving his is. he's greater than all, why are we afraid? Now, is fear going to come? It's going to come, but it doesn't have to get in us. It's going to knock at your door probably every day, but you never have to let it in. And one of the best ways to keep it out is to keep remembering my father loves me more than this storm is trying to defeat me. My father's love is greater than all. I'm going to make it through everything. People say, who do you think you are? I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved. That's who I think I am. And they may think you're crazy while they're going down drain. And while you're shouting from the mountaintop, you got the victory. Children, (laughs) little children, church. We're all, stuff's going to come against us. It's inevitable. The evil day comes to everybody. But the big problem is not being ready for the evil day. We need to remember our Creator in the days of our youth when the skies are blue and there's no darkness around so that when the clouds do roll in, you got something on the inside of you. You learned how to think and talk and resist the enemy. Hmm. Put God's word in you when you don't need it. And it'll be there when you do. Notice I didn't say, put God's word in you when you don't need it. And it'll be there if you ever do. No, when you need it. You're all, we're all going to need it. Right? Okay, so in closing, because it's time to close. Jesus was able to calm the storm. Because he had calmness in him. How many of you can't release toward a storm something you don't have? Jesus said, peace be still. Did you read that? And he said unto them, why are you fearful? Oh, you of little faith. Then he arose. Why would he say that? Because they could have probably done something about this. And he rebuked the winds. So he wasn't obviously, obviously destructive storms are not an act of God or Jesus is rebuking God. Can I say that again? Obviously, these insurance policies, some of them do not have it right. Acts of God. We will cover you except a tornado or a hurricane. You know, an act of God. Not our God. If, If these destructive storms were an act of God, then Jesus, the Son of God, just rebuked His Father. That didn't happen. That didn't happen. He arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Next verse. But they marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Wow. Is the storm going to change you? Or are you going to change the storm? That's a good question. Is the storm going to change you or are you going to change the storm? What did Paul say about all these things that were lying in wait for him? In Acts chapter 20, the Jews were waiting to kill him and, and, and the Holy Ghost was even witnessing in certain cities that problems and troubles were coming to him. And Paul said, I heard this, I heard these prophecies, but none of these things move me. The enemy is trying to move you and me into a place where God can't help us. Jesus didn't let the storm move him. Therefore, he could move the storm. The reason Jesus could calm the storm is because he was calm. And how many of you know he knew the Father loved him? He talked about it all the time. The storm may not be your choice, but the outcome is. And I'm telling you, church, it has a lot to do with just remembering. Everybody say remember in the crisis of life that's why we're going to go over this well pastor I've heard that before great wonderful but you're going to be glad it's in you in abundance next time something else tries to take you and move you down a road whoa 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 whoa. Father loves me of course I'm going to make it through if I don't make it through then he don't love me through something you know he wants you delivered from What does He want you delivered from, church? Well, read John 10.10 and you'll figure it out. That's your homework. Let's stand up.